to the Mission of Speed podcast. On today's episode, I get to interview JC Wilson, who is the president and founder of the Dogtown Running Club. She's become a friend of mine this past year, um, who I've just been really lucky to meet. She's got a ton of passion for the sport, um, but really just like humanity. She just cares about people. And what we're going to talk about is leadership within the club. We're going to talk a lot about, um, you know, what it looks like to actually run a running club. I think a lot of people might wonder, how does that entail? Do you just go out and you run? Um, and in addition to that, we, we get to hear some cool things about her personal life, including the fact that her grandpa was Larry Wilson, uh, who was a famous football player for the St. Louis football Cardinals, not the uh, St. Louis baseball Cardinals. Uh, and so it's going to be a fun episode and, and I'm excited to share JC Wilson with all of you. And as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please hit subscribe. Would love to have your support and looking forward to diving in to this episode with JC. All right, welcome back to the Mission of Steve podcast. I'm here today with my friend, JC Wilson. Uh, JC, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on to the show. I know like we've talked about this probably for a really long time mm-hmm. and like to be able to actually like nail this down and, and have you here um, mm-hmm. at beautiful Thrive Co here in Clayton, Missouri. I feel very honored. I, I really mean that. This is a conversation that I've selfishly like been waiting a long time to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel honored too. And I'm, I really appreciate you asking me and considering me and it's definitely an honor. So, and have you been on a podcast before? Like, absolutely not. No, I, I <laughs> can't is, imagine that's true. Oh well, you know, there's a first time for everything. It, it always surprises me because I've had some people on my podcast who I feel like are my like St. Louis celebrities, mm-hmm. like some cool, like awesome people who I would have mm-hmm. thought that would be on like this would be like their hundredth podcast and they're just mm-hmm. doing it as a friend and they'll be like, oh, this is the first time I've ever done this. I'm like, mm-hmm. really? I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. So, like as you've heard with my podcast and you know, with, um, us talking about it, like so much of like who I want to interview are the people who I consider to be like my heroes, like people mm-hmm. in my life who are doing really special things, um, that are really busy that maybe aren't exposing their stories as much as mm-hmm. they could be. You know, I think mm-hmm. like, that's, what's cool about the people that come on here is like, they think to themselves like, wow, I do a lot of cool stuff. I'm saying it out loud now, but I don't, you know, maybe spend every day on social media telling everybody how great you are, where I can see that obviously by the product and the work that you do. So that's why I think you fit so well into this conversation. And, um, you know, we got to know each other probably, it's probably only been about a little over a year um, since we've met, right? Yeah. I think it was like October of 2021, maybe September, October. It's, It's funny because... You know, I've been in the St. Louis running community for a really long time, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I know everybody. (laughs) And when it comes to like, when you run into somebody Mm -hmm. who is somebody who just came out of left field, like you never would have met you Mm -hmm. and is doing so much in running. I was like, I have to meet this person. Like this has to happen. And the story that I remember of you guys and how I became aware of what your club stood for and who you were was we had just started this Bjork racing team. We met at, there's a bar and a pizzeria right there in Dogtown. Yeah, Felix's yeah, Felix, and Heavy Riff. Yes, yeah. okay. So we met there. It's like a Thursday night, 102 degrees. Mm-hmm. We just started the club. Four people show up to our group run. Um, mm-hmm. We're excited. We're happy mm-hmm. to be there. We do a little happy hour run. And we run down the hill. And <laughs> I see like 30 people standing on the side of the road in running gear outside mm-hmm. this bar. And I'm thinking... That's really weird. Like, I don't think I've ever run by a bar 
besides like a big river pub run or something mm-hmm. uh, that I've seen that many people or like an arch city run club. You're thinking, you know, every spot in town where people are running mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm running into these people. I have no idea who they are. They do not know who I am. Cause like I run by, there was no, like I waved and whatever the case was and ran off. And I just thought that was strange. I was like, that's a lot of people. I was like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And later to find out that was the Dodgetown running club. So yeah, you probably <laughs> caught us right at the time where we, we were really, really growing after a summer of fun. It was, you know, the club started and, um, it really started as a, as a Dogtown thing. And then the word kind of got spread word of mouth through other clubs. And we eventually had more people from different running clubs coming on Wednesday nights, but it was mostly just Dogtown. And I think that's what made it special is we had just come out of the pandemic. People were getting vaccinated and all of a sudden there was this outlet, not just to go on a short run and have people that love to do the same thing and, you know, empower yourselves through that physical activity, but then to hang out afterwards and just get to know each other and spark friendships of, you know, with our neighbors that we never knew. And that, that was just a very special thing, I think for a lot of people. And it, as that spread, more people kind of caught on to the energy of Dogtown Running Club. So I'm glad that you were able to witness it before we got to meet and, you know, see how how much it had grown and flourished. No, absolutely. And just like being able to like see something like from afar that was so special and so meaningful, you know, Mm -hmm. it inspires me because I'm thinking, okay, like they're, you know, like they're doing something like they have all, they have active group runs. They have all these people. Like for me, it was so refreshing for a Mm -hmm. period of time where we didn't have like a lot going on. And Mm -hmm. so I'm sure, so I'm excited to dive into the story of Dogtown Running Club, but you know, we met obviously, and like immediately I was like, this person is just so inspiring. And just like to find out that you have a full-time job, to find out that you have this running club, um, to find out that you're just like hustling every single week, like you're Mm -hmm. consistent on your social media you're on the dot like you don't miss Mm -hmm. like you are like one of the most consistent hardworking people I've ever seen but then on top of it you're very creative like you're very creative and you have like Mm -hmm. the versatility with the personality that you can lead but also be a worker if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. I think that's what makes you know you so special and so that's what's going to be fun about kind of going through this story because we're going to kind of a see how Dodgetown Running Club has evolved um, obviously to today but also just like kind of hearing about its inception and so you ran right in high school like you were a sprinter, I think, at Marquette. Am I wrong in that? I was, so growing up, I was always the fastest girl when I was younger. And as, as I got older into high school, I just, I didn't like it, you know, the way that I do now, obviously. And so by the time I was in high school, I was doing a small bit of sprinting, but mostly jumping. I was a long and triple jumper and I loved that. I wanted to focus on that. I had a, a great coach and even when I think back to going to Marquette, being on the track team was kind of the highlight of being there. I have so many good memories. Um, I didn't really run until the end of college. And then that's when I started to enjoy it as an adult. And um, I think that's important is enjoying it on your own before you start enjoying it with other people or being forced into a training program or what have you or into a race is finding the love in it as it helps you as an individual rather than, you know, just, um, it being a sport or a competition. So after college, I, I was so on and off with running and then, um, going into COVID, uh, I told myself, I, um, you know, I want to start running and not stop again because I would go for months and then I would, I'd stop for months and I would go again and, you know, that constant wishy-washy uh, was, wasn't good on my body. And 
I wanted to stick with it. So um, I happened to get laid off from my job during COVID at the very beginning. And I took that as an opportunity to just stick with the running. I was like, this is something I can do every day that, you know, it helps me feel like I'm in control of this one thing. And I'll, I'll stick with running. And because of that, you know, I transitioned all of my energy that I had from my job and my focus. And I had loved my job where I was at. And I've now since returned to the company. So I'm finding a balance again. But I transitioned that into an energy and love for running. And I think over time, as we came out slowly of the pandemic, that energy transitioned into, okay, well, I'm at the point now where I feel comfortable enough to start running with other people. Um, and I, I, running wasn't something I shared with anyone else in my life. I tried to convince people, oh, go on and run with me. Go, no, no one wants to go run. <laughs> so I was like, I live next to the park. What, what am I doing? There's all these people that love running. Why am I not meeting these people and trying to at least create some friendships? And so that's kind of what sparked the idea for it was um, just shifting, you know, reshifting my focus and trying to be passionate about something again. And it just so happened to work out. So no, that's so amazing. And like, I love the, like, just how simple it was. Mm -hmm. Like it was this thought for you like that. I want to find more people that are doing what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to find community, right? That's yeah. essentially what you were seeking for. And so how did you, how did you find that community? What was your public outcry? Were you standing on a bench <laughs> at the side of the road, you know, telling people to run with you or I would love to yeah. kind of hear how that evolved. So I, we have a couple neighborhood groups and uh, Facebook groups in Dogtown. And I, uh, you know, I think it's a good quality that I have and sometimes a bad one where I just have an idea and I'm like, well, I'm going to do that. So I just had the idea. I'm like, I want to run with people. So I posted randomly in both of the groups, the same thing. I said, would anyone be interested in doing like joining a running club? And a bunch of people liked it. A bunch of people commented, said, yeah, I'm interested. So I followed up next week and posted in the group again. And I got people's emails. And now that's just so crazy to me because I don't do anything over email really with the club. I created the, the Facebook group and it's grown from there. But I emailed everyone. And I was like, this is where we're meeting for the first time. Um, and I was really, really nervous because that was me getting out of my comfort zone. And for people to return the same level of excitement and showing up for the first run. I think the first run, we probably had about 20 or 25 people, but it was all Dogtown people, you know, because that was the only way people knew about it was by me posting in that group and gathering people's contact information and actually following through and creating it. I remember how nervous I was to go to the first run and there was a smile on my face the whole night. And I feel like ever since then that that hasn't stopped. Even on the worst days, I'll go to the Wednesday group run. I've had a bad day maybe with work or personal things or whatever it might be. And it always cheers me up no matter what, because I'm able to just get my mind off of things, but also have that physical outlet and share the love of Dogtown Running Club that everyone shares with me. So yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough that people were responsive at the beginning and wanted to be a part of it. And we had several key people that just stayed with it. And there were times in the first few months where there, I remember one time there was four people that showed up to a Wednesday group run. And I was like, well, we're still doing it. You know, I mean, every week, just stay consistent about it. Just like you said, consistency is so important. But then there's also a factor of wanting to make sure that you can surprise people sometimes and coming up with different innovative ideas of um, how to, I guess, make sure that people are still feeling excited about the club. So from that, we've done a lot of volunteering. 
sometimes on runs we've done scavenger hunts. It's, you know, trying to make sure that people feel like, okay, this is, this isn't just about running. It's also about just building a community and creating friends through that. And man, there's been a lot of friendship, different groups that have branched out. And I'm so proud of that and grateful to see that people really are continuing to feel excited about the club. And it's seen, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, from, you know, my perspective, obviously I've been to the run, you know, and I've been out there and I've run Mm -hmm. with you guys, but then also I watch it on social media Mm -hmm. and I've had the opportunity to watch it grow and watch the friendships that you're talking about evolve. And I know people in our team, on my team who go to your runs and have those same Mm -hmm. positive experiences. So there's so much that you need to be proud of. And I want to walk you back to like thinking about that first moment that like you start the club and you have Mm -hmm. people showing up because I think that what people will take away from this podcast that will be really inspiring. Maybe a title will come out of this or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always look for a title, you know, within the podcast, uh, you know, to get the big bang for for people wanting to listen. But thinking through, like, a lot of us are at points in our lives where we're passionate about something and maybe we want to start something, but we don't know how to. Mm -hmm. And you just did it. Like, Mm -hmm. you just said, hey, I'm going to do this. And you started it. But then there's that whole component of humility Mm -hmm. showing up could be one person, could be 20 people. And then, like you said, to continue to show up, even knowing that like, okay, like that first initial group run was great. Everybody's excited, but now it's going to die off a little bit. Mm -hmm. How do I keep that fire going? And and you spoke about being nervous, like going into that. Mm -hmm. Like when you do, like, do you feel like when you stepped at that first run though, regardless of how nervous were you, do you feel like that was like who you are now, even on day one? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I think the thing that has kept me the most grounded and, and and encouraged me to stick through this entire thing over the past almost two years now is leading leading the group with my intuition, because if, if you're not doing that, then you're losing sight of why you started it in the first place. And um, when I met with Melissa for the first time last year, first drafts, Melissa Weber, yes, she, shout out. I was so honored, first of all, that she reached out. And secondly, she just reminded me, you have your story and you started something that has helped so many people. Um, but it's important to stay true to why you started that and keep those values as you carry things forward and things evolve. But the biggest thing I would say is just outside of my own intuition and making decisions is listening to what other people's opinions are in the club and what, you know, cracks that I need to fill in that, you know, uh, one point being a lot of people don't know Forest Park and people get lost. And that was, you know, that was something I struggled with for a long time was making sure that people felt safe. And um, I wouldn't have known that there were so many people feeling lost or not having a running buddy on these group runs or, um, not feeling like they're fast enough without people coming to me and telling me. So it's it's important to keep an open line of communication and just know that there's going to be mistakes, but it's about how you respond to it. And it's about how you communicate that to the, to your members um, as you move forward, you know? No, definitely. And I, I think what's so insightful about that is like you're, you're speaking about the humility of being a leader. You're talking mm-hmm. about what it takes to kind of continue to evolve, you know, to involve evolve, not involve, <laughs> I guess you're involving your people. Uh, but you've found ways to continue to stay true to your message, but also continue to innovate and do bigger and better things. And so much of that comes with like, what's the flavor of your group. And I think about that with our group, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I, I say it all the time. It's like we have 157 people on our team and my opinion 
matters, but it doesn't matter the same way that the majority of the opinion of the 157 people, what, Mm -hmm. what runs are they coming to? You know, what are they looking for out of this club? You know, what are those things we have to be able to, to meet those, those needs and those expectations. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, if we're so stuck on what we think is best Mm -hmm. and we're not thinking through, you know, okay, what's best for these people. Now the convenience, like maybe people join my club or your club to start to just have people to run with, but if they're not heard or they Mm -hmm. feel like the group's not going in the direction they want it to go, then you lose those people. Well, Mm -hmm. we've seen it with lots of clubs. We've seen it with a lot of organizations. Like as you grow that taste, that flavor continue, like if you're not really dialed in and keyed into those things, you can lose sight of that. And Mm -hmm. you're never going to make everybody happy, which I think we've talked about is so hard for both of us because Mm -hmm. we're two people who love to people please. And we want everybody to have a good experience because we care about it this much. Like we're working so hard to make sure that it's fair for everybody and and you're just not going to please everybody. But I think you're doing a pretty damn good job when you're pleasing 90%. You know, it's like that piece of it. Can you speak more on like, just like how you manage the, you know, the day to day of just like, like, cause you know, we have so many expectations, you know, out of these clubs and there's this idea that we want to stay true to our vision and our mission. And we want to, you know, meet the needs of everybody Mm -hmm. in the process but there still is that kind of like mental component on our end of like trying to stay inspired, stay motivated. It's hard not to take some of these personal, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're, when you're caring so much about what you're doing, like how do you manage that day to day to keep your fire light? So I would say, uh, first and foremost, I think, um, a big focus of mine with the club has been, um, trying to remember again, we keep going back to why I started it, but why I started it, which was, One, I was kind of stagnant with running. I was running for a year, almost, you know, six days a week, and I wasn't really going past five or six miles. And now look where I am. I'm a distance runner. And um, so, you know, making sure that there was people there to push me, regardless of what my abilities were, but also just wanting a community because um, that is something that I think so many people, especially in St. Louis, have a hard time finding. So... What the club has really turned into, especially on Wednesday nights is, and this is something I want to stay true to, and I I go back to my story to remind myself of that, is regardless of your ability with running, it's really mostly about the community because, you know, for a while there, I think we had people coming that were, they were runners. They were runners for a while, and that's wonderful. That's really great. But over the last eight or so months, it's really developed into, um, a group on Wednesdays, especially where it's people who are just getting back into running. They're coming back from an injury They're They've been distance runners for a long time. They there's, you know, people from your, your racing team that come and, um, people who've never run before in their life. There's a girl, um, who joined recently and she has only ever done one 5k. It was the biz dash this past year. And she, I convinced her finally after she had been coming for a month to sign up for the 10k at the go and she's now doing couch to 10k and that you know it's important I think to just as I want to celebrate my own accomplishments with running it's important to continue to celebrate everyone's milestones whether they're big or small because the fact of the matter is our club has a lot of different diverse um runners at different levels of abilities and you want to make sure that those people feel as included as everyone else who's 
50 times faster than them or slower than them, you know? So I've tried to stay true to that and make sure, um, that those people feel like they're a part of the family. Um, I, I think that's part of the magic of Dogtown Running Club is when you're coming to your first run, it's important that you feel like you're actually a part of it. If you want to say afterwards, great. And there will be people that will come up to you and make sure that you feel like you're having a good first time and make sure that you feel like people are actually wanting to get to know you. So I think um, I just try and remind myself of that. And I, I am reminded of that a lot. Uh, occasionally people reach out to me. and I'm sure this happens to you. I think it probably happens to every leader, but someone will reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook just and send me a direct message and say, I just want to tell you how much the club means to me. I've made this friend, that friend. It's helped me in this way. And that always brings me back to, okay, this is good. I'm, I'm doing a good job. Sometimes I don't think I'm doing a good job or um, maybe I just don't hear it in the way that I, I want to all the time. But that, it makes me feel special and it makes me feel like people trust me and my leadership. Outside of that though, it's really good to have other people I can trust in the club who understand where we started and where we are now. So Jason Matat, he was there from the very first run. He leads our run every Wednesday and he is just a great advocate for the club and he's kind to everyone, you know? And I think when you have someone like that, not only leading your group runs, but being there every week and just being an outspoken voice in the club that really helps push forward the idea of, of our mission and who we are. It's so inspiring when you have people in your club who start to take ownership of your mission and your vision, because then you remember, like you said, why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. It's not for you. I mean, of course, like it's the fulfillment of your vision and what you want out of this. But ultimately, if, if you want your club to be successful and you want that mission from day one to be successful, mm -hmm. you need people to, to carry the torches with you. And just like thinking of somebody like Jason, you know, and thinking about countless other people that have I've seen mm -hmm. at your club runs. And I think about our group, you know, it's so humbling to mm -hmm. anytime somebody joins our team, I like I get so insecure. I don't know if you feel <laughs> this way because I start thinking like, Hey, how's it going? Like, I want to make sure they're having a great experience. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, all I'm thinking about is I need to make sure that every single person that's at the run on Wednesday knows that this person's new and they talk to them. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure I connect these people. Like I'll, I'll, you can ask Katie, like I will like not sleep the night before <laughs> a new runner comes to our run. I'll be like sweating bullets. Mm -hmm. And then that person two months later is like, you know, at every run most popular and then you mm -hmm. you forget like you have no like worry about them like in the sense of like you care mm -hmm. or worry about them in other ways but now you're just thinking oh they're good they know they know the drill around here mm -hmm. but you just you like you said you want them to be like having as much fun as everybody else when they first get there yeah. so they can see the magic and it's sometimes hard i think i don't know if you can relate to this at first because they're having a good time when they first join. They're just nervous. Mm -hmm. They're just a lot of things that you just can't speed that process up because they're coming mm -hmm. for the first time. But from my shoes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I want this person to like be yeah. onboarded within seconds so that they yeah. can just join our club because you're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think the difference uh, for both of like people who are leaders or started it themselves is you were there once. You You had to take the leap to do that yourself. So, you know, I almost try and put myself in other people's shoes 
new people's shoes sometimes and think, God, that has to be really scary showing up for the first time. And there's 40 or 50 people standing out all excited to see each other, you know, for their weekly group run. And you want to make sure that they feel included. And so I get the nervous thing. It's really, I go home and I overthink after runs. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, did that, I never made sure that person made it back or I, I think they did. And did they have a good time? Did enough people talk to them? So yeah, it's definitely, I, I think, I think, you know you're doing a good job when, first of all, people keep showing up and those people are making sure that everyone else feels welcome. When your club or team is made up of people who have the same values and beliefs about what um, culture you're trying to cultivate, then that can only be good for you, you know? It can only be good for the club and for new people to feel comfortable, so. Absolutely, and I think any leader can take something away from that Mm -hmm. just because you know, it keeps going back to that same message that we're really drilling down here is like staying true to your core values, staying true to why you get started. And as you become more successful and you have more people that are coming to your runs or whatever you do, you know, as you climb your way up the ladder at work and you Mm -hmm. have more people that work for you, you know, it's, it's really still very simple what you're doing. Like Mm -hmm. the job is still the same job, but we can make it really complicated by our egos getting in the way, Mm -hmm. uh, by overcomplicating what the mission is, all the rest of those things. And if we don't stay true, like I I love in sports, like just stick to the fundamentals, Mm -hmm. like let's do the basics. Like, you know, uh, let's do, I'm sure with jumping, there's a Mm -hmm. certain way you you jump, right? There was mechanics that you had to do. And as Mm -hmm. you got more successful, you start, you know, if you start losing sight in those mechanics, you're probably going to be flawed at the highest level. And so I think that's something that I'm constantly thinking about. I'm sure you're thinking about too, is like what ways can we still tone those, you know, same skills to kind of make sure that we're Mm -hmm. still living, you know, the way that we want to live in terms of that leadership position. Now your club has, has done a lot locally. I know that you guys have been a part of a lot of events. Thank you for the mm-hmm. support of our events. I mean, Oh, we had been, so much fun at Chain of Rocks last year. I can't wait. It's, There's it's so, so many great. people signed up. So. so great having your support. Like I've talked a lot about this um, with you is like, I want to see St. Louis like running community just come together and unify 10 times more than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And it's been a difficult process as we've talked about the last couple of years, because it's, it's about really trying to rally everybody and keep people consistent. Some of these mm-hmm. clubs are aren't meeting as consistently as we are. So sometimes that's a little bit more challenging to get some of them out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But more than anything, like you just like, you want everybody to share that love and interest for St. Louis running together. And so when we have people like yourself who are ambassadors for that same mission, like when I see Dogtown, I don't see rival or enemy or Mm -hmm. whatever the case is, I see friendly faces and people I love. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, like the more, the merrier. And so to see your support, but you, you guys outside, even just supporting the events that I've been a part of, I mean, I've seen you guys at tons of different stuff. Like you said, you've, you've done some volunteer efforts. You guys are participating in all these races out of all these events. Like, can you think of anything that's like been the most like meaningful experience for you that you have taken the club to? Um, well, honestly, chain of rocks really stands out last year. Um, because I, just being able to be there from a team aspect and like you just mentioned everyone is there and excited to be with each other rather than it feeling like a competition and but also just to be able to get to compete again like as a team you know um that felt really special and uh we ended up hanging out all day afterwards all the all the people that went we went to brunch and then we were together out all day drinking and you know having a good time in Dogtown. um but outside of that the race that we put on in september it was halfway to saint patrick's day which you helped me a lot um you listened to all of my 
um, concerns and you guided me through, um, through what to, you know, what I needed to think of in order to make it successful. Um, and that was a, that was a huge milestone, I think for the club, just, you know, it was a one mile race and a kid's fun run, but it was in Dogtown, And that's also what made it true to who we are. Um, that was definitely a lot of work, but I felt like I, I was able to really take the passion I have and put our name on something that I felt very confident in and proud of uh, as our first official race. When I was at um, Calaris, uh, my first go around, I'm now back there. Uh, it's the company I work at. I was a part of the United Way committee and I was doing all of the planning for the events for the campaign that year. So the kickoff party, I did a trivia night. I got so involved through that. And I think that's what made me kind of excited to start the club, but outside of just starting the club, putting on events, you know, same thing with a company. The club is something we do consistently every week. But then when you have events to go alongside that, it makes people feel just much more connected and like they have, um, like they're an actual piece to the entire puzzle that comes together at the end of it. And we had so many people compete, which was fun, um, but also a lot of volunteers there. And we really showed up and I was very proud of everyone for, you know, contributing and volunteering their time to that as a first go around for a race. Do you feel like with that event, it like obviously it brought people together on that day, but do you think it, it also kind of reminded some people in the club, like, wow, we like, we do meaningful things. Like this mm -hmm. is our thing. It's not, it's no longer JC's thing, but like, did you kind of start to see that a little bit like more club involvement, you know, just in the sense of like thinking of this, it's like, you guys are a team, you're a unit, you're a family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, through a lot of pushing for me to get people to sign up. I think by the time everyone was there, uh, I, either if they were volunteering their time or competing, it, it really brought us together. And I, you know, it's, it's so special to see that people care as much as I do, because I obviously care a lot. And I think about all these little details. So when I, you know, when people come together and not only support each other through the race, but are able to support our community, that feels really special. And part of the race was not only raising money for our Dogtown Festival that we have every year, but it was to bring attention to St. Louis City installed a uh, futsal court in Dogtown in the park we had the race around. So it was nice to get involved uh, through that as well and have people get excited about the, you know, our new, our new soccer team here. And, um, I think it was just a good day in the community overall. Yeah, that was, I mean, unfortunately I, I told you we had an event that mm -hmm. we'd already priorly scheduled and so I wasn't able to make it, but seeing the photos and like seeing the videos after the fact, like, and just the smiles on people's faces yeah, and also like a warmer morning too. So like, if you're seeing people that excited on a, mm -hmm. on a tough day in terms of the weather, you know, you, you know, you did something spectacular. I think a lot about like your club and I think a lot about like you know, some of the things that we've talked about today in terms of like the excitement of people showing up and having these runs, but you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't understand like what it really takes behind the scenes mm -hmm. to actually manage this and actually do it. And like you said, you have a full-time job. How did, like, how does it look? Like if you're speaking to somebody at home, that's looking to start something and mm -hmm. whether it's a running club or it's a club to do nothing with running, whatever the case is, what does that process kind of look like to you? I mean, everybody has a little bit different that they do it. What is it? What's your secret sauce that keeps it running? Yeah. So we talked about consistency and that that's really a big thing. Um, since the beginning, uh, when I determined Wednesday night was going to be the night, I, um, you know, I make sure to post every people expect 
they have expectations. Every week I post at the same time. I have to make sure to have those routes available and to also uh, know the park well enough, you know, that, that, and to have people you trust in to lead those runs. So being able to plan out what the routes are and make sure that it's going to be safe, first of all. And second of all, people are going to, I think when they show up, um, a lot of times what I do, if I notice there's a lot of new people, is I encourage at the beginning people to raise their hands. You're new, okay? Please look out for these people. Make sure that they're not alone. They're um, Make sure that they get back here safely. Outside of that, um, I'll and this might just be a little bit of my fashion background, but the apparel stuff has been really fun for me because um, that is that is what helps keep the gears turning and the club progressively getting larger and word of mouth spreading is you're running in the park and you see someone wearing a Dogtown Running Club shirt and you're like, oh, what the heck is that, you know? Um, so I think being able to have that as an option and people actually asking for it over and over and over um, I, I really have found a lot of value in that specifically. And plus it's really nice to see people out wanting to rep the club and support it, especially even, you know, there's people from your club that come, uh, Almir, he bought a bunch of Dogtown stuff and I was like, what? He runs with Mark and he wants Dogtown stuff. That's so cool. <laughs> Mark, you've done a great job of, I, I probably wouldn't have realized had I not gotten so involved with other leaders that, the cross-pollination of um, clubs and teams is important within this community. It's what makes people feel like they are able to branch out and get out of their comfort zone and actually attend these other clubs or events or whatever it might be. You're doing an amazing job, you know, and just like I think with your club, what I see so much of, you know, who you are, like your taste of, of, you know, how mm -hmm. you approach your life and how you make people feel and, and mm -hmm. the work that you put in. It's so cool to see that reflected in the club. And from my perspective, like, you know, we're both running clubs and we're both very busy. And so unfortunately we're not able to actually participate mm -hmm. in each other's things, you know, mm -hmm. as much as we want. But like, I think maybe hopefully the ultimate compliment for you would be like, if mm -hmm. I had the time, I would be in your club. You know, it's Aww, like, yeah. that's the kind of place that, you know, I would want to go. Like, that's where I feel, would feel welcomed. And I would yeah. be, um, if I was, you know, a, you know, a young twenties, you know, getting, you know, trying to figure out my social life in a dog town, like I would feel so accepted and mm -hmm. there'd be so many opportunities to meet people. And St. Louis across the board is just a really difficult place to live if you're not from here. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes people from St. Louis to recognize that, to not be offended by it mm -hmm. and also to realize realize, you know what, I have a lot of friends from high school and that's great, but maybe those people at work have, you know, some valid concerns that it is difficult to meet people because mm -hmm. you know what, on Saturday night, I go call my five friends that I've known for 20 years and they're like, Hey, I'm new to town and I don't know what to do. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you're giving people this chance to, to really not just run here, but to grow and live here. And that's what we need. We want people to love St. Louis the way that we do. And how can we love this community, especially from the running side of things, mm -hmm. if it's just the same old thing over and over again. And I know that mm -hmm. our efforts to collaborate and do things together um, have been really powerful for both of our clubs. I think that's why you see people from our team will mm -hmm. go and I'll try to make it when I can. Like we'll go to your club because it's known like, hey, we support other clubs around town. Like this is a big thing for us. We mm -hmm. want these things because at the end of the day, there is enough room for everybody. And also yeah. convenience wise, like for some people, you know, a racing team scares them. 
they want a free social run, mm-hmm. you know, for other people, you know what, they want the opportunity to have social runs, but they're really looking for more competitiveness. They yeah. already have a really busy life. They have enough friends. You know, it's, it's a different taste for every person. And it takes, I think leaders being able to kind of look at what they're doing and realize, okay, you're doing this, I'm doing that. How can we support each other and how yeah. can we support each other's efforts? And that's why I'm so appreciative of our friendship because you've been there for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that we can continue to do these things and show that from a public standpoint as well so that people aren't thinking like we're all pinned against each other. And I, I have apparel from you guys too and I wear it all the time yeah. and I love it. And it's so cool. It reminds me so much of the yeah. the hoodies that everybody has from Hilton Head. What is it? There's like a famous, is it Hilton Head or something? They have like that famous like restaurant or something that everybody has a mm-hmm. uh, they have like I this. feel like I know what you're talking about I don't know the name of it isn't in all the like the comfort covers yes. and stuff yeah, yeah everybody has it now it's like oh you gotta have your Dodgetown shirt yeah no but going back to uh cross-pollinization but also convenience and accessibility that is that's something that you know when we started the when I started the club that was a big focus of mine that's something I want to keep uh I had a bonfire last week with some Dogtown people and uh, one of the guys there was like, I still remember the first time I showed up and I asked someone who, who leads this and they pointed at me and he's like, oh, okay. And he came up to me and he was like, so is it like, do I have to sign up? Do I have to do anything? Do I have to pay? And I'm like, no, you just show up every week and we're, we're here every single week. This is where we're going to be at. And I've realized more and more how important that is. And occasionally I'll get the questions of how much do I pay? Oh, there's nothing I have to sign up for. No, you just show up and we're going to be here. And if you want to come, great. If you want to go to other clubs, you can do that. But just know that we'll always be here and you're more than welcome um, as long as you follow our code of conduct. <laughs> have you seen people like, you know, because like it's, it's, I almost like use the analogy of like go back to like school and, mm-hmm. you know, some people, their parents will give gifts to the teacher just because the teacher's doing a great job. And then mm-hmm. other people that, you know, they're just, you're, they're, you're the teacher. It's just the expectation. We don't need to give you a gift. I don't know if that's a mm-hmm. terrible analogy or not. Um, you know, maybe reaching for this, but I'm thinking kind of like about you, like, have you seen that in your club? Like there's just some people who just like overly appreciate what you're doing. You're thinking like, wow, like they see mm-hmm. the value, like I'm seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's so interesting. Like everyone, there's so many people that have a story specifically with me on how they heard about the club. And there's this one woman who is a Dogtown resident and I was on a solo run one day and, um, I was running, I never run up that hill, but I just so happened to be running up this awful hill, uh, finishing my run. And there was a cat underneath a car and I stopped to like, look at the cat and say hello. And, um, she was outside and she, we started up a conversation and we ended up talking for 20 minutes and she's a runner and she was recovering from an injury. So she eventually showed up like two months later and she has just loved the club since the beginning. And she messages me, she'll make posts and that, that kind of stuff reminds me like, okay, I met this person just on the side of the street and as a neighbor and she just so happened to be a runner and she came and she loved it. And how can I continue to create that sense of belonging, um, for more people outside of just those special situations where, um, I'm able to come in contact with another runner and encourage them to come and, you know, tell them that don't be scared. It's going to be good for you. You're, there's going to be someone you're able to talk to no matter what. And what's important to me as new people come, we kind of touched on it before is to learn something simple about them and then connect them with someone else. Oh, you're from here. 
You're from Philadelphia? Oh, so is this person. You should talk to them. Oh, you work at Boeing? There's a bunch of guys now that work at Boeing, and obviously it's a huge company, but oh, talk to all these other engineers over here. You know, It's just nice to be able to make connections outside of running and make sure that people can create those friendships and, and move on and do whatever they want with that and create you know we have guys in the club that do D D every week they have a dungeons and dragons group and we have our girls running group now and we do craft nights and um they volunteered at girls on the run together and so it's it's just the constant evolvement of what's possible in the club is something i love to see it's amazing just to think too like just how many like diverse options of people there mm-hmm. are like there's just so many types of people that are part of this club and then as like a unit you guys all collectively are working together and mm-hmm. you're a family out of it which is just really cool like it's just really special because it just shows that like you know we don't all have to be the same people like you don't have to fit this certain you know former person to show up to the Dogtown running club like you can be yourself and you'll be accepted for that and you'll probably figure out that there's like 10 other people like you at the club and then you'll you mm-hmm. know learn from people that you've never experienced you know before and i think mm-hmm. that's really cool when you think of yourself as like a leader like i know you're so humble and you're also like i feel like like such, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, you are such a perfectionist. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I love this about you. Like, I love how much you care about giving your best. And I don't think you give yourself enough credit ever. Like, I don't think that you have at any point giving Mm -hmm. yourself enough credit. But whatever you do, you give 150%. And I think like if any young girl was watching you and they saw like what you do, they would just be so inspired because they could see themselves in your shoes, like leading hundreds of people on Wednesday nights. And then on top of it, like you're the person that is organizing all these social opportunities for people and just really keeping this this thing going. Um, and, and, And I, I, I know that like you're going to answer this question probably like the most of like, I don't know, like whatever, like whatever the case is. But I mean, do you have like, you know, you're almost like you're all not an elevator pitch, but like what you would tell, you know, somebody that is looking up to you in your shoes and just, you know, the values that you embody because you're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, something I go back to a lot, um, which is kind of cheesy and whatever, but my dad wrote me a letter during COVID when I was laid off from my job and that was really devastating for me. I was so involved, I explained, with just the culture there, uh, but also my job, I, I loved it. I was so passionate about it and I had to refocus that somewhere else and my dad wrote me a letter during that time just trying to encourage me to keep my head up and he wrote, believe, dream, be thankful at the end and I actually got that tattooed on me. I have several tattoos, but, um, and that, that really is something I feel like that's not specific to one person, obviously that that's so important to keep something like that in your heart. And it helps you, um, it helps you ground yourself and remember what your values are as you're making decisions in any aspect of your life. Um, you and I have talked a lot about balance, um, because I know I've told you before back maybe less than a year ago when I was getting so overwhelmed with the club and making sure things were perfect. And you're like, it doesn't have to be perfect. There's going to be people that don't come back. There's going to be times when, um, you feel like you're not doing the right things, but you are, you just need to stay true to yourself. So I would say, believe in yourself, whatever you dream 
you know, going back to Melissa again, first drafts, she made me feel like that was true. When she reached out to me and she, she said, explain to me what your story is, she made me believe in myself again. I was going through so much struggle with feeling overwhelmed and not really knowing what the next step was with the club. And I just needed to remind myself to continue believing, dreaming, and being thankful for what I have and making sure that that energy is transformed into something better for the club and just throughout my life as well. I love that. And it's so applicable to, you know, to anybody. I think anybody can take something away from that. And that's so special about Melissa. I didn't really realize that, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of how much that conversation meant to you. And it also, it kind of goes back to like, there's a lot of people doing a lot of excellent things every single day. And, you know, maybe you take it upon yourself. If you're listening to this podcast to like see the people that are leading, like see the people that are creating opportunities for you and really like acknowledge that and let them know Mm -hmm. because sometimes the people that are providing you this opportunity, these chances to do great things in your life, they're beating themselves up. They're not Mm -hmm. thinking that they're doing a good enough job. They're on the, you know, the face of, you know, maybe burning out or quitting. Mm -hmm. And it's just as simple as somebody being like, Hey, you know, you do this, you're doing something special. It, it keeps people moving. Yeah, it's absolutely. Inspiring. Yeah. Even when you feel like, you know, you've lost hope or whatever it is, whatever situation you're in, you just have to find a way of refocusing your, that energy that might be bringing you down into something that you're passionate about. That's the best advice I can give. I th- no, I think that's amazing. At the running coach in me has been really excited to see your progress in running in the last <laughs> year too. You've you've gone from somebody who was dealing with a pretty substantial injury, um, you know, and you were really working hard with mm-hmm. uh, with Taylor to to rehab and get yourself back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen you just pop off like several great races in the last year. Like, mm-hmm. how has that been for you? Are you pretty excited about your own running progress? Yeah, I think it it you just have to be consistent about it first. Yeah. I'm proud of myself. Yes. But do we always want to do better? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing has been being able to have people to run with. And, um, I remember the, at the beginning of the club, again, I mentioned I was running like five miles. That was my cap. I was like, eh, can't do more than five miles. And then my first six mile run with the club was like, Oh my gosh, this is such a big deal. And as I piled on the distance, I realized, okay, well, if, if it, it's this simple, why is, why can't I do more? And I, I don't think that would have been possible without seeing how well other people are doing and how far they've come. The injury definitely, you know, that was a big setback. Um, and I'm lucky to have been uh, recommended to, ta- to Taylor by you because he's incredible. And I'm, I'm still dealing with that. And um, I think it's just important to focus on the fact re- again, I keep using the word reground yourself, but, um, it's an individual sport at the end of the day. And you have people supporting you. You have people running alongside you when you're training or even maybe in races, um, helping you get to the finish line. But the thing that is the most beautiful about it is, um, it's whatever you want to make out of it. And I keep trying to remind myself of that. Um, it's, it's hard because, you know, my injury. So I'm, I'm going to eventually have to get surgery this year. So I'm preparing for that, but I, um, I'm also preparing myself mentally for just not running. Um, but I know the one thing that's keeping me moving forward is 
the fact that the club's still going to be there. And I'm, of course, I'm freaked out. Okay, I can't be running alongside someone. How's a leader supposed to have a running club and they can't, they can't be running with their club for, you know, six months or whatever it is going to be. Um, but the fact that people are still going to be there and they're going to be enjoying themselves and they're going to be supporting me along the way. The support means everything. And um, I, I'm focusing right now on starting to just love running again on my own. I, I'm going out there even on tough days and I'm like, I don't even care if this sucks. If, if I'm hating it right now, at least I'm able to do it, you know? And that's something I think we take for granted a lot of times, but I'm lucky to be able to do it. And I'm lucky to be surrounded by people who love it as much as I do. So I feel a lot of gratitude um, for the fact that I think everyone goes through injuries, um, whether they're big or small, you, being able to overcome that and feel grateful that you can still go out on the roads or trails or wherever you're running every day and, and get it done um, and do it with people that enjoy it as much as you do is enough to keep pushing you forward in your training. Those, the snowball races I've been participating in, gosh, every week they get a little bit further. The distance grows a little bit and I'm like, oh, it's such a challenge. But at the end of it, I feel so good. And I'm, you know, people have been talking for the past couple of years since I started this about needing to feel motivated through the winter. And I think that's so important that these, the snowball and the frostbite exists in St. Louis and people, and it is so competitive because it keeps people in that mindset of, okay, well, you know, nicer weather is just around the corner. I can start getting back into the competitive spirit of racing. And I'm grateful that I always can rely on myself and be confident in my abilities to get out there and get it done at the end of the day. There's a lot of hours that go into training and a lot of time and a lot of stress. And it's important to just remind yourself that you're out there doing it and you're the person doing it. No one else. And the finish line is almost just around the corner. <laughs> you know, you love the sport when you're on the sidelines, mm -hmm. uh, when you have a setback, you have an injury and you're not able to do it and it's the worst of weather and you're jealous. You're like, Oh, I wish I could be out there. Like that's, yeah, how that's you know the worst you feeling. And yeah. I'm not going to lie. I feel I get that a lot. And I, I almost look to the future and I get scared. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to get off Strava. I'm, I'm going to be jealous, but I also need, you know, it's important to stick to your, the value of leadership and making sure that people still feel like you're there and present and what their goals are. But yeah, it's, it's hard when you're going through an injury and you know that you're going to come out of it stronger, but it's just about mentally getting through it and being there for other people while you do it. Yeah. And in 2015, I started my business and three years later, um, I had my first like really serious running injury and that was my Achilles mm -hmm. and I was out for almost four months mm. and I was kind of faced with this dilemma, you know, the questions that you're probably asking yourself, like, do I need to like kind of, you know, reformat how I log my runs or like log my workouts? And do I need to get off Strava? And do I need to separate myself and distance myself from races? And I thought, well, no, I can't really do that because my job is to literally be at events for clients. Mm -hmm. And so I took it upon myself to become the ultimate cheerleader, which A, is already my job, but to not just be that person, but like to actually believe it. Like it's one thing to be like, I'm going to show up and support and clap my hands. It's another to be like, I'm becoming the ultimate like cheerleader. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna like make this my passion for when I can't run. And then when I cross train, that's gonna be my running. And mm -hmm. I'm gonna work really hard. And I'm gonna be really proud 
to put my cross training on Strava mm-hmm. and to be engaged. And obviously everybody's different. Sometimes you have to get off Strava just for your own mental health you know, purposes. Mm-hmm. But for me, that was like a game changer for me because unfortunately since 2018, I've had a lot of injuries mm-hmm. and every time I get hurt and I'm set back, I know exactly what to do and I know how to be happy. Like I know how to be happy in my job, which is literally running mm-hmm. and having a career in it when I physically can't do it. And I think it all came back to that first time of getting injured and like having to learn how am I going to have a relationship with this sport when it's not me doing the physical act of it. And mm-hmm. so I challenge you in whatever capacity it looks like, um, you know, to really kind of think through that for yourself, because I think what you'll see is that you love this club and you love this community so mm-hmm. much that there's probably not a PR out there for yourself personally that means more than those things. Like mm-hmm. I think about it all the time, like I work my tail off with running. Like I still do it, but nothing like there, I'll be standing outside in the track and it'll be 20 degrees outside and I'll be freezing. and I'll be watching six high school girls doing intervals on the track. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, this is the best day of my life. Like, this is awesome <laughs> because you see people that are enjoying something you love so much. And then the act of coaching and I think about my own running and I work really hard at it. And I'm like, there's yeah. not a PR in the world that would take away this moment for me. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. I know you, you know, you posted a month or two ago about your injury and the setbacks you faced from that. And I remember the main point and what you said was that regardless of your personal endeavors with running, you have a business and you have a team and your that's your purpose. You've realized as a person and starting this business and being an entrepreneur that that's your purpose. So regardless of where you're at with your running, your purpose and your values have to stay true. And I, I need to use that as inspiration for myself, you know, in the next several months, I think, as I go into an uncertain time. But yeah, it's it's all about looking back and remembering what your purpose is. When I think you're going to come back to the sport more grateful, like you're going to come back with a different approach on how Mm -hmm. you train. But then on top of it, I think that there's going to be a lot of things that you can do to grow your club and to improve in that area that you're going to be like really excited about. Mm -hmm. And something like for me, so I never, like we have team speed workouts on Wednesday mornings, but I do not do the workouts. I run easy out there because if I'm doing a workout, I'm in my zone and I'm focused where we have 40 people doing a workout together. I want to be able to be physically present for somebody. Mm -hmm. If somebody gets hurt, if somebody, you know, shows up late or if somebody has a question, like I don't want to be in the middle of an interval, like, Mm -hmm. you know, huffing and puffing and being like that question, like, do I stop for this person or not? Like, you know, our purpose is to lead these groups. And so that's something for every event that we do, every group run that we do throughout the week, those runs for me, I run with my phone in my hand. Like you're never going to see me run with my phone in my hand ever any other day of the week. But on those days, it's to make sure I have access to everybody, make sure I can get photos, make Mm -hmm. sure I get videos. And we do that because you care about it and you want people to have that great experience. And I, what I actually think about all the time is like when I've been injured or I've shown up on the bike or done a car, I get even more experience, like to Mm -hmm. be able to be even more present for people. So I think that's what you'll see for yourself as well. That like, you might have this opportunity to get to know some people more, like Mm -hmm. you might meet the people that come back earlier. You know, you might be doing your run a little longer or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is. I know that you have different processes for how those group runs work, but I think that you'll see that for yourself. And yeah, you know, it's funny. I also, that's the only time I run with my phone is during the group runs. And I eventually had to convince myself after the club grew that, okay, I don't need to run the long run. I don't need to run at the front with everyone. I I need to run the short run and I need to wait in the back and make sure that everyone gets back safely. So 
you definitely have to change your style as as you move forward. It's Absolutely. about, yeah, because it's not about your run. It's, it's about, about their, their experience. Yeah. But then what you see is that you're like tomorrow morning's frostbite. And so mm-hmm. everybody's always like, why do you never race frostbite? Because I'm like, because literally I'll have 60, 70 people who I coach that do it every single week. And that's more important to me mm-hmm. than me running it. But And they count on seeing you at the end. I even count on seeing you at the end yeah, of every race. Know, I'm like, I'm I know photo. Mark is going to be at this race. <laughs> and you know that you're going to get a photo. If I, if I yeah. get my hand out of yeah. my pocket quick enough, I'll get a photo of you uh, and get it to you so you can use it for your, for your Facebook or your mm-hmm. Strava. But no, I mean, something about that for me being present for those people, but also that's the only time of the day I might be able to run. Like, you know, so it's about getting up early. You know, it's about making sure that like, you know, for me, like tomorrow morning, I'll be up at 5.30 on a Saturday morning doing my run before Mm -hmm. this event because you still have this passion for your own running. And so it's finding those separations between the two. It's like, it's really inspiring to see you still pursuing your goals personally. Also realizing that like they have to kind of adjust around what your greater purpose is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's not shutting you out from still wanting to train for races and Mm -hmm. do those things. Because ultimately at the end of the day, your club members, they want to see you. They want to see you running. They want to see you happy. Um, There's just some logistics, obviously, that that doesn't make it possible for you to do it every, every run the way that you you yeah. want it to be so it's it's cool well so as we wrap up there's one conversation i've been dying to have with you and it's something that i think a lot of people don't know about you mm-hmm. uh but your grandpa a very famous football player uh played for the big big red that's what mm-hmm. they called him the, yeah. the st louis cardinals larry wilson right yes larry and wilson. uh he you know I, my dad always says he invented what, what did he invent <laughs> he did well he didn't invent the safety blitz he perfected the safety blitz. My dad says he invented it. (laughs) (laughs) I know my, so my, I think I told you a couple weeks ago, my um, grandpa's wife, Nancy, she was the first woman sports reporter at uh, KMOX. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. KMOX or yeah, probably KSDK, one of the two. Yeah. So she's always like, Oh, the tales that they tell about your grandpa, you know, with that's one of them that he invented it. And the other one is the cast. And she's like, they just kept going further up his arm. As the years went on, the cast kept, eventually they were up to his shoulders and they were only ever hand casts, you know, that he played, played in. But, uh, so sorry. What was your question about my grandpa? What what was it like having him as a grandpa and like, how did that influence? Like, you know, I would say maybe your athletic career, but also just like you personally, I mean, I'm sure like your driving ambition doesn't fall too far from the tree. So my grandpa was a very, if you ask anyone or if you read any article, everyone talks about how humble he is. That's the first thing. And how tough he was. He was only 5'10 um, and played safety. And um, the the stories I hear and the interviews I've seen are all, you didn't want Larry to be coming running towards you because you were in for a rude awakening on the field. So I always try to remind myself of his toughness. That is something that I think has carried me through a lot of my difficult times, specifically in races, um, is being tough. And, um, he has a quote and I, I won't say it exactly right, but it's, you have 60 minutes in a football game and 45 of those minutes, you can't be just playing a hundred percent at 45 of those minutes. You have to be playing a hundred percent the whole entire game. And he stayed true to that his whole career. And another big thing about my grandpa was he was passionate about the Cardinals. He worked for the Cardinals his entire career And that is something I think that I have in my heart is 
not only do I need to remind myself to be tough and humble and not let my ego get the best of me as things grow and develop with the club. It's really cool, you know, from my perspective to hear, like, to see what you show, like, mm-hmm. you know, different things about him, but just to yeah. know that, like, he was such an exceptional person. Too. He was. And so there's this one memory I have that always stands out with me or stands out for me, which was when Roger Worley was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, my grandpa gave his speech. So at the time I was in like seventh grade or something and my whole family went up there. Um, and from what I understand, Hall of Fame inductions now are much greater than they used to be. There's a huge party afterwards. So that was pretty cool. I remember all that, you know, that was fun. But going into the hotel, there was so many, all these fans standing outside, um, legacy fans of, you know, all these old players that were there, the gold jackets and wanting to just get an autograph and, and see them and meet them. And all these players were walking back into the hotel and my grandpa stopped and said hello to a couple of people. And this one guy really specifically wanted to talk to him. And, um, and my grandpa said, just give me five minutes. I'm going to go inside, whatever. We went in to the lobby of the hotel. We had our conversation and I remember in my head thinking, oh my gosh, I hope he goes back out there to talk to that guy because he said he would. And he did. He went out there. No one had to remind him or anything, but he went out there and had like a five minute long conversation with this man who was a huge fan of his and just wanted his autograph. And he always made sure to specialize his autographs too, um, make people actually feel like he was listening to them and he heard them. And, you know, I think that's very special and something you don't find in a lot of professional athletes. Another interesting thing about my grandpa was when he um, went to college, he played basketball and football and he worked and he had a job. (laughs) I'm like, how does, how did he make it work? You know, back then things were obviously different, but he um, just, he just loved, you know, being a natural athlete and putting it all out there. And, um, and he definitely did it with grace and he was humble throughout, throughout it all. And, um, and that's something that I'm glad that I have, I'm glad that I am able to look up to someone and have a piece of him to remind me, you know, that that's important. It, it really is. I don't think you find that a lot anymore, specifically in professional athletes. Not like I'll ever be one, but yeah, he, he was definitely special. And I think a lot of people remember him specifically for those things. And he, he was like that in his personal life too. It's incredible. And if anybody's ever seen JC race, like (laughs) JC, you lay it on the line every time you go out there, Thank Um, you. you give your best and everything. Like I was saying earlier with your club and everything, like you give 110% in everything you do. I think that's what, probably why you struggle to mm-hmm. to be humble, or you are humble uh, to, to be, uh, you know, accepting of some of your mm-hmm. success. Doesn't doesn't seem like that that was uh, too different than your grandpa. You know, mm-hmm. you seem like you carry and embody a lot of those same qualities, and it's just really cool to see that, you know, go down all the family line, all the way to your dad writing you that just really meaningful note. I mean, it just seems like in your family, there's just that core, you know, mm-hmm. love and appreciation for life and giving your best effort and, and for being there for people. And that's exactly what you do every day. And so mm-hmm. that's really cool. And I appreciate you sharing. I'm a huge sports fan. So like, I've like bothered you about your grandpa yeah. so many times. It's like, this is so cool. And well, I you was, said your grandpa played in yeah. the NFL too, right? Oh, he, so he played it. He played for the university of Minnesota. Okay. And they won the national championship. Mm-hmm. He was on the 41 and the 42 team, but they all went to war. 
And so yeah. he was a center. Uh, mm -hmm. He was like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Makes mm -hmm. no sense being a Division One center at 5'9", five, 5'10". Mm -hmm. five, My brother actually just recently wrote a book about it. Um, and his book was about basically the story, what happened was they, they were the Alabama of college football. Mm -hmm. like Minnesota won all the time. And then the war happens and they all scatter. They all go different places. And so my brother's a TV reporter in Minnesota and in, in Minneapolis, and he's just like a history nerd. Like he just mm -hmm. loves it, loves to investigate. That just has always been his background. Even before he was a reporter, like he just has always been curious about the story. I think we're all like, mm -hmm. we love like the ESPN 30 for 30s. Like we love the in, de in detail mm -hmm. stuff that maybe not everybody, you know, wants to read about. But my brother just thought, how cool would it be if I went and interviewed all these family members, all of my grandpa's teammates, learn mm -hmm. more about what it was like playing on that team and where everybody went and how their lives ended up after the, you know, playing, you know, division one college football. Cause a lot of those players would have gone on to the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, some of them did, but a lot of them died. You know, a lot of them, you know, mm -hmm. had, you know, went to war and, and fought for their country and they were only 19 years old, 20 years old. So yeah. his whole book is based, I'm giving you a plug, Danny. Well, uh, I'm going to have to read that. That's yeah. Sounds, yeah. It's, it's or buy all, it for my dad, at least. That's yeah. Nice. It's, it's one of those books that like, it's, um, you know, I think like it, one, it was a big hit for the university of Minnesota. Like that was, it really resonated. Like it was in there in all their stores and all that stuff. Cause it's really, obviously it's like if somebody wrote a Mizzou book or something. Mm -hmm. So if you are, you know, a Minnesota sports fan, then you have to have it. But if you are interested in football and you love like kind of just learning more about the war, it's cool. Like the Heisman trophy winner, um, that year was the quarterback and he ended up winning a purple heart, you know? And oh so gosh. just cool stories like that when they were out of the war, but that was a connection for me because my grandpa died when I was probably like seven mm -hmm. and he did not talk about like his football career. He was like, his whole life was his family came over from the Holocaust. And so they escaped Ukraine and his whole thing was like, he played at such a high level and was such a great football player, mm -hmm. but he didn't want his kids to go on and live that life. Like his mentality, I really think was based on that generation and his family of like, you need to make something of yourself in America. And mm -hmm. what's sustainable is like going and getting a job and becoming, you know, educated, all these different things. Not that you can't play sports and, <laughs> and do those things, but I think he was passionate. He was very passionate about football. We had, we had Rams tickets. He was a big diehard, big red fan, mm -hmm. all the rest of the stuff, but his whole life was very much, I think like this was a part of his life. He played for a certain period of time and then it was done. And then he moved on with things mm -hmm. um, because he went to the war. And so I never really got to hear the stories about it. Yeah. And, and now learning more and hearing my brother, like there was a story of like, they played an army versus Navy game before they went to the war. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he, it was like the, the stadium was packed with like 40,000 people at this, like meaning like a, a, it was like a spring game of like army versus Navy, but it wasn't like if you were on our, if you were going in the army you're on army it was like they mm -hmm. just randomly put people and he had like it, like i found a new my brother found a newspaper article and it was about my grandpa like was able to like you know um like recover a fumble and he ran mm -hmm. it in and like they talked about how like you know the you know it was a scrappy five ten like the center never has any attention mm -hmm. and never gets in the you know newspaper and just to learn these things so all this to, yeah. all this to be said like i'm sure for you like hearing about your grandpa and just hearing like not just the amazing things he did on the football field, but like also learning like to know the guy and mm -hmm. then know like about your life. Like you can go live your grandpa's 
like championship career in your life. Like mm-hmm. you can put all those things into making Dogtown better, to making your career better, to making yeah. your personal life better. And so to have that, like, I just feel very lucky that there were successful people in front of me because mm-hmm. I feel like it just gives you a little bit more of a lift for your life personally. Yeah. And I, I think a lot about, um, just how proud he would be just in terms of the community of it, you know? He loved being a Cardinal, his whole, you know, because he worked for the organization his whole career. And that sense of community is so important to people, especially in sports and in their career. And it's, it's important to have that in order to feel like you're doing the right thing along the way. So I know he, you know, I know he's proud of you and I know that, you know, everybody in your life is proud of you, not even knowing your your parents, but I can see on social media and Mm -hmm. such, and then just knowing your friends. And Mm -hmm. it's really cool. I I hope that this podcast was an opportunity for you to really reflect on some of the amazing things that you're doing. And we'll have to, we'll have to do it again. You know, Mm -hmm. we'll have to come back in a year and see kind of how the club has evolved and what, what's differences and, you know, and and learn more. So thanks for coming on. And if uh, people want to, you know, follow up on your journey and kind of see what's going on with Dodgetown and yourself, Um, Are you on social media? How can we follow you? Yeah, so we have a private Facebook group. Uh, Dogtown Running Club is the name for that. Our Instagram handle is the same thing, Dogtown Running Club. And then on Strava, we also have a club created if you want to follow along there, uh, Dogtown Running Club. So fantastic. Well, we'll make sure that that's, that's included in our episode online. And again, thanks for, for coming on to the mission of speed podcast. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been a blast and thank you for having yeah, me selfishly having a chance to talk to you for an hour has been great too. Yes, absolutely. I always love our conversations and I always get something good out of it. So thank but, you so much. I appreciate it. I certainly feel special that I was able to come on. Well, vice versa. I'm looking forward to seeing you out in the trails at Forest Park. Thank you.